This is my family. This was taken a couple of years ago. I will make lots of reference to them. There are three children and spouses and nine grandchildren that I'm delighted to have. Um, this is a schedule. I think I sent you a schedule. There are a couple right here, and I think there are a couple there. Uh, a couple right over here. Somebody can come sit here. Oh, come grab a chair. Hey, bro, this really here, really a couple right here. <laughs> um, I, you got this on email, and I really meant if there's some topics that you don't think are included, I know these are pretty vague when we talk about discipline, um, but if there's some things that we're talking about as we go through and we're not covering something you want to, please let me know. I don't promise that I will have all the answers, but I promise that we will at least talk about it. Okay, and then we talked about goals, um, about if we talk about something that's confidential that we will keep it confidential. Parenting is hard and meaningful. Children are not created all equal. Some are much easier than others. Um, and I acknowledge that I made some poor choices, typically selfish ones, and I, I, I'm going to come back to that fairly often. And God intends for us to support each other. Okay? Key assumptions. God loves them more than we do. We will want to parent intentionally. I'm preaching to the choir. Anybody that gets up and gets their kids to their church at, at, at 10 o'clock in the morning, you are parenting intentionally. But this is really important. God takes our efforts and redeems them. And that is what grace is about. You are going to mess up. That just happens. But in spite of messing up, He intervenes and He brings good out of tough situations. Okay. For a long time, and I'm kind of embarrassed about this, I tried to find a good analogy to parenting. It's not the king. It's not a commander. It is not a policeman, though sometimes it feels like that. It is not a friend. That is one of the most dangerous ones. Please do not equate being a parent to being a friend. That just messes things up in a very, very major way. Um, A coach, maybe that doesn't quite... Well... Well, why didn't I go to scripture? Because the scripture tells me I think this is a wonderful model. We are ambassadors to our children. Now, think about this a little bit. And I know any analogy breaks down if you take it far enough. But an ambassador is responsible for building the relationship between the government or the king that sends him and the place that he's sent to. So you are empowered to be the ambassador from God to your child. You get to show him God's world, God's blessing, God's love. Um, Inherent in this is the government cares about the relationship. In other words, God cares about the relationship that you are facilitating between him and your child. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. I really do believe that. And I believe when you are changing a dirty diaper, you are doing God's work, okay? Oh, I really do. And I think you're going to, I think you need to rejoice in that, that you are doing that unto God. You are blessing his little ones in his name. Is it always fun? No. Is it messy? Yes. But it is an act of service that you give to your child.
but you're ultimately giving that to God. We bring not our own authority, and we shouldn't use God's authority for selfish purposes, and we will do that occasionally. Hopefully not too often, but I'll confess to you, I did it more often than I wish I had. Um, but we've got a responsibility to embrace the authority of God as we relate to our children. We are not sent into this foreign country on our own. We can constantly call home, okay? We get support, we get encouragement, we get help from God. I don't know enough theology to know if I believe in original sin. So this is a little, that's a little heavier than I'm willing to go. But I do believe that children are born believing to their sweet little toes that they are the center of the universe. They demand and they demand and they demand. It is not because they're bad that they do that, but it is because they're human, okay? But it is our job as an, as an ambassador to show them God's reality. I know this is abstract, but hang with me just a minute. The reality is that they're not the center of the universe, but that God is. And if we don't bring them from their perception that they're the center, they are going to have really, really unhappy lives. You are doing your child an enormous, giving them an enormous gift by helping them see they're not the sinner, but that God is the sinner. We're trying, one author that I've just read recently, and I like this, he says we're trying to capture their hearts for God. Okay. So the parent's job is to share God's love and authority. Now, I think, hey, Stephen, come grab this chair. Nobody needs to stand but the whole time. Um, Aaron, there's one more spot. Are, you, are we saving this one? There's one more spot up here for sure. Oh, and there's one right over here, okay? Um, Patrick, there's one more. Oh, you got one there? Okay. Um, the love is usually easier, but sometimes we don't feel very loving, and that's pretty normal. I think it's the authority that's more difficult. We're going to, it's God's authority, it's not ours. And so it's going to be used for the good of the child. But to the extent that we abuse this authority, either by make, using it for our own selfish purposes, or by just saying it's too hard and throwing our hands up. Either of those extremes shortchanges their child. They don't get what we want them to get that's going to be good for the rest of their lives. Now, I know you really want to know what do we do about temper tantrums and when do we give a child a cell phone, okay? <laughs> and we'll get to that, I promise. We're going to get to it really quickly. But if you can see this, if you can see your role in this as an ambassador, as, and if you can see your role in your children as your sacrifice to God, I think 
there's some issues that will be a little easier to sort out as we go along, okay? All right. We will talk a lot about scripture. Love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul. Commandments that I give you are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. I am not a Hebrew scholar, but I read something that I love. I hope it's true. That the word that we translate impress really means like you were taking a knife and carving your initials on a tree. It's, it's, you're to really make a strong, you're to write those on those heart, child's, in that child's heart in a way that they will not be easily forgotten. I do love that. <clears throat> Psalm says we will not hide from the children. If you've been to first service, God makes, I think I can re-quote this, that we are more comfortable talking about God as if he lives in a museum as opposed to God in our own lives. And I think we want to share it as God in our own lives. Uh, to Hey, Kyle, can we have one more chair? I noticed we have somebody that just came in. Is that possible? Um, okay, this one's hard. And I'll put this on there because I need this one. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Okay, as we raise our children, it can't, to the extent that we camp on selfish ambition and conceit, we're going to have problems. I did love that Stephen prayed for us to be humble. There is a part of me that thinks nothing humbles you like having children. Um, but the other side of that is the temptation to use power for selfish purposes is a temptation for everybody. I will not get into any political comment this morning, okay? But even in an eldership, if an eldership becomes about using their authority for power instead of service, kind of mess. So yes, we need to use God's authority, but we need not to do it out of our selfish ambition, but to honor and bless the child he gave us. Okay. Okay. Before I start this, I want to tell you something about my theology. Um, when I graduated from high school, um, someone gave me a copy of C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters, and I tried reading it and I didn't get it, which tells you about how immature I was when I graduated from high school. But years, several years later, I picked it up and was absolutely fascinated by it, and it's one of the few books that I really feel very comfortable to recommend to almost anybody. It's the story of a senior devil writing to a junior devil, and the junior devil's assigned person that he is to bring to hell has just become a Christian. And so it's all the advice of how to get him away from this. And in essence, it talks about the cleverness of Satan. And I so buy into that. But what Satan, I think, does, he's, Satan's not going to say to me, you need to slap your child. That's not in my DNA. I don't like, that, that's not something I'm going to be tempted to do. So he's not going to say that to me. But he's going to say, well, you just... You, know, you have a right to be put out of your kids. You just have, you know, you're, he, he's going to talk to me where I am. He's going to try to get me off just enough 
I started to put up some kind of trajectory. I live in a world of people that talk about, my husband's a physicist, we talk about trajectories at our house. But if you know a trajectory, if, if, if you're going this way, but it doesn't take very much, or just a little bit at the beginning, and you end up at a very different place. And so I think that's what Satan spends a lot of time doing, trying to get us just enough off from what God wants and what God knows to be best for us that we end up not getting the full blessing of what he intends, okay? So this is one of those places. Okay, so how do you know where you're going if you don't have a goal? So what are your goals for your children? I have typically had parents do this. I, I've kind of made it an assignment. You go home and you think about what are your parenting goals? What do you want for your children? Okay, and yours may not be the same as mine. These are the ones, I didn't ever do this. I never thought of doing it when my children were young. But as I thought back, these are what I think my personal goals would be. It was important to me that my children had a real faith, and I didn't want the faith that said, well, we're going to go to church every, well, every six weeks or on Easter when it's, faith had been very important to me. It had been a huge blessing to me in my life, and I wanted my children to have that. I believe that being part of a church community was an enormous gift from God, and, and, and I wanted that. I wanted them to be caring and compassionate. I wanted them to be honest. Um, last week, one of the parents made a reference to children telling the truth, um, and that, that was a big deal to me. Rule follower and obedient. Frugal. Oh, if you know the Shrugleys very well, we are frugal. Um, independent. There were times when I... Do I really want them to be independent? You know, do I like the fact that my kids are so independent? Maybe I would like for them to need me a little more. But ultimately, I wanted them to be independent. And I was sure of this one. I don't do Wendy well. I, I don't. I don't do high-maintenance people well. And I'm working on that because there's some high-maintenance people that I come to contact with. Um, but I wasn't going to cultivate that. I wanted them to be well-educated with good grades, and I wanted them to value family and feel valued by family. Those are my goals, okay? And let me show you how a very slightly different trajectory might look. What if instead of believers, yeah, I want just a higher power, but you know, I'm gonna kind of leave it up to them. What if instead of being emphasis, emphasizing independent, I emphasize creativity? And there's a reason I didn't emphasize creativity. I am not creative. I don't know much about creativity. I didn't particularly expect it would happen in my children, and it didn't. But if I had, been, and some of you are highly creative, so you're going to value that in tune with their emotions. If you say in tune with their emotions to my husband, he is going to look at you as blindly as they come. He doesn't do that. He's just one of these people that does what he's supposed to do, and. He's, that's just not where he is. <coughs> Follow their dreams. I never said that to my children. Is that a bad thing? Absolutely not. That might be a very wonderful thing. But I am much more of a rule follower, and it's no surprise to me that all of my children have taken jobs that have a very definite, you go to school, you get this degree, you get this license, and then you have a job. We haven't done the... Um, you know, it would have blown my mind if one of my children could come in and say, I think I want to be a musician. Would our world be so bad? Yes, if we had no musicians. But I couldn't, that wasn't what I knew about, okay? 
Okay. Now, as you look at all this, is there anything that bothers you about that? There's something that bothers me about it. Well, I don't think anybody, I mean, I, I think caring, compassionate, I, I, we're not going to argue with that one. I, I, that, that one's okay. Um, believers. This one. Well educated. Good grades. What if one of my kids had had a severe learning disability? What if that wasn't an option? And there's an enormous sense in this of what I wanted for my children. Okay? And I wished I had talked more, thought more about what does God want for my children. Yeah, I think he wants them to be caring and compassionate. I think he wants them to be use resources well. <laughs> But what does God want? And I say this because sometimes our, my children are very much like my husband and I. And even that was challenging enough because they're not exactly like us. And one, some of them are like him in ways that I didn't expect them to be like him. And I wasn't quite sure what to do with some of that. But you may get a child that's very different from you. And that doesn't mean it's bad. It may be wonderful. But it maybe a little bit more challenging. Okay. It's interesting, I'm seeing some nods from those of us that have older children. Most of us have been there to some degree. Okay, I want to go back to this parenting, and I know I'm doing a lot of, I won't, I won't talk the whole time, most of the time, I promise, but one of the ways that I think Satan helps us miss being the kind of parents that we want to be is what one, I got a new book and I love this, I love parts of this book, don't, don't agree with all of it, but some of it's good. He talks about ownership parenting. Um, and he says it's motivated and shaped by what parents want for their children and from their children. This isn't all bad to want my children to be a believer, to want them to have good jobs. That's not bad. But it's so, it's so easy for me to think this is what has got to be because it's what I want. And then the second part of that sentence is, and what wants from their children. And this one gets <coughs> heavy and dangerous, okay? Hold on to this a minute, okay. When we talk about ownership, we think we're in charge. And I'm gonna urge you at one level to be in charge. Don't cop out on us. But the reality of it is none of us are completely in charge of our children. 
and they will come in with an idea and you think, where in the world did that come from? It must be from my husband's side of the family. Couldn't be from mine. Uh, your children will challenge things. And you can't make your children do all the things that you will want them to do. And it's a little bit of a false premise to think <coughs> that I own my kids and that I can control all that they're going to be. Okay, let me go back to one more thing. Something else that's dangerous about this is what's not on there, but it's still in my head. Let me confess one of mine. I always wanted to be a little more popular. Now, I wasn't relegated to, you know, I wasn't completely left out. I had lots of friends, but I was never quite on that, you know who that little inner circle is, you know who they are. I was never a cheerleader. I wanted to be a cheerleader so badly. I'm not proud of that, but it was true. <laughs> but, so, in my mind, I'm, I'm going to do all the right things because since I wanted to be a cheerleader, I'm sure my daughter would want to be a cheerleader. And so I'm going to do the things that are going to happen. I was the most compliant pregnant woman. I ate liver. Never in my life have I eaten liver. And back then, you were supposed to drink milk. My, my firstborn was an eight-pound baby. At 47 years old, she now weighs 100 pounds. So she was just fat as could be because I had drunk a quart of whole milk every day. That's what you were supposed to do. I was going to do it all right. But she was born very much like her father, very much of an introvert. Being a cheerleader would have been the last thing in the world that she wanted to do. She was very quiet, very shy. Oh, so this child doesn't fit my preconceived notion of what I thought I was going to have. <laughs> so maybe you expected this sweet, gentle little girl with curls, and you saw lots of Hallmark moments in your future, and you got twin boys that were full of themselves. <laughs> and there are some twin boys represented, and they are adorable. They are not full of themselves. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, ownership parenting, we tend to over-identify with our children. Now, I loved being a mother. It was something I wanted to do all of my life. Um, and for those of you who have very young children, you can ignore this because you are surviving. But as you get old, as your children get older, I will encourage you to not put all of yourself into your identity as a parent. You are still a spouse, you are still a friend, you're a son or a daughter. Um, because parenting is the one relationship that goes from complete involvement, and I'm not the word involvement, I'm not sure what, it, you're, you're gonna wean them away from you and that's what you want to do. And that doesn't mean that I don't love my children and I am thrilled to be with them but they need their own lives too. And I think when we over-identify, maybe you even have some parents that over-identify with you and therefore their demands on you as an adult seem restrictive or overly demanding. I think that's not healthy. And, and again, to be more abstract, 
identity needs to be in God. Our identity needs to be there. And we are to be servants to our children. But this, this ownership leads to my children owe me. And I think that's a really, really, really dangerous place to be. The other risk is trophy children. Now, are you going to feel so wonderful on you get them all dressed on Sunday morning and they're for a few minutes there, they're all clean and they look wonderful and, you know, maybe they even are color coordinated and you think this is that moment. That's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with that. But a trophy child carries all the burden of your expectations plus the burden of your reputation. And that's heavy. So your child needs to be, we want to be humble enough to know that our children are going to mess up because they are. Because we birthed them and we mess up. That's the way it works. I think when we do this ownership thing, we also have even more feelings of inadequacy and guilt because we can never quite do it right. And if we own them, we feel like we should. To the extent that we can stay in the ambassador role, we're the hands and feet of Jesus, then I think we are much more satisfied as parents. Questions, comments, arguments? I get that this is heavy, that not only you're doing the very best you can and you're exhausted, and now I'm telling you you're supposed to do this like Jesus. I hear that. But the other side of that is I want you to hear you're not doing this by yourself. And that he does take what is inadequate from all of us and makes it better. Okay? So, what do we... Well, let me back up a little bit. Remember last Sunday Josh talked about the why and the what? I think this being the ambassador is the why. And then all the decisions that we make about discipline and rules and um, whatever, those are all the what's. I don't want to tell you that the what's don't matter. They do. But I think the more we know we've got the why right, the more that we will find the right what's, okay? Remember that trajectory that I talked about and it doesn't take very much for it to, to veer off to one side? That could be really scary. But you know what's wonderful about that? You can constantly adjust. This is not a trajectory that this is the way, this is what I'm doing for this two-year-old and this is what it's going to be. No, you are constantly this is quite what this doesn't seem to be working so well let me see what maybe we need to adjust just a little bit this way maybe we need to adjust a little bit you can constantly adjust and I would even suggest to you that if you're not constantly adjusting you're probably missing some wonderful opportunities and you're saying how do I adjust and be consistent we'll get to that okay questions Okay, so what do we present, teach, require? All that is God-honoring 
and all that is in the best interest of a child. Okay. For the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithful, gentleness, and self-control. You know, I don't think any of us had any trouble knowing, yeah, I'm going to teach love, I'm going to teach joy, I'm going to be peaceful. Sure, I'm going to teach them to be kind. This one's the hard one, the self-control. They are, they don't come wired for self-control. I didn't come, and I'm still not there. It's something as old as I am that I still have to work on. But this verse says, this this is fruit of God's spirit, which means to the and it's real easy to see to the extent that I'm able to love and have joy and be patient and kind, that makes my life better. And I submit to you that a child that doesn't have self-control is a very miserable child. It has to be age appropriate. We don't expect the same kind of self-control from a five-year-old that we do a fifteen-year-old. We don't expect from a 15-year-old what we expect of a 35-year-old. But if we're not on that continuum, we are shortchanging the child. We're keeping away from him what is good. This author that I like keeps talking about having grace for our children. Grace. Well, yeah, yeah, I believe that. But I interpret that he, grace means we're going to forgive everything. We're not going to require everything. And I don't believe in that at all. And then he gets to this wonderful part of his book where he talks about the grace of self-discipline, the grace of patience. I've never thought about it that way, but I think he's right. Those are gifts that we give our children. So does it feel good to be constantly teaching self-control? No, it's exhausting because it's counterintuitive. The child is wired to be human. Self-control is godly. Okay? And we can relate to that because we're walking the same place. Children, obey your parents in the world for it is right. It is honor your father and mother. It's a promise. These are good things for your children. And I want these kind of written in your heart so that you will know no child is going to say to you, thank you. Okay. Learning to obey is in the best interest of every child. It is a foundation for faith, responsibility, delay of gratification, empathy, and other adult lifestyle factors. Think about the adult that you want to work with. You want them to know how to obey. You want them to have self-control. All right, my parents. We teach our children to obey, not to make our lives easier, but to make their lives easier. And I think this is something that, that Satan will play with your head on. I think he's going to make, yes, your life is going to be easier when your child obeys. Yeah, I get that. But that's not why you're doing it. You're not doing it for a selfish motive. You're doing it because it's in your child's best interest and you're doing that because you're helping him understand God's authority. A, a person that has no sense of authority cannot understand God's authority. Okay? And this one I really believe. 
We teach obedience to young children so that we can teach independence to older children. Okay. In other words, I'm not saying that you can't teach obedience to older children, but I'm going to tell you, I think it's a whole lot harder. Okay. And so our goal is for them to be independent, to be self-controlled, um, <coughs> to be flourishing adults, to be what you are. But we're going to it's a lot easier if we put the foundation in very, very early. Because if you're still working on, on obedience at the same time that you're trying to let go, it's a pretty, it's a pretty complicated procedure. Um, we're all the experiences of our history. When our children were young, we had... Um, it was a blessing. We, we kept some foster children from Agape. And we kept, our children were young, and so we kept older children. And our second one that we had was 12 going on 25. Um, she looked very, very grown up. She was a big girl, and she came from a pretty tough um, background. She was placed with us through Agape, but through Human Services. Um, and she had no concept of truth. She would tell me anything she thought I wanted to hear. She would lie when there was no good reason to lie. I could understand if she had been in an environment where her stepfather had been abusive and she had learned just say what he wants to hear. But it suddenly dawned on me, whoa, if you can't trust what this child that's going out into the world. And by 12, they're beginning to go out and be places, and by 13 and 14, they really are. If you can't trust anything, whoa, that's hard. And so, frankly, honesty became a very, very primary value for me in teaching my children because I saw what happened when that wasn't in place and they got older. Um, so this is part of that we want to set them up at every level to be successful at the next level. And by successful, I mean successful as God intended them to be. Questions? Arguments? Okay. Now I want to introduce one more thing. Okay. Um. Those of you who were in the class before saw this, I love this. I personally believe that good science and good theology do not contradict each other. That when they appear to contradict, it is either because the science is not very good or maybe our theology is not very good. Now, I don't want to take that too far, but this is a parenting study that goes back several decades. It's a classic parenting study that looks at some different styles. Um, this is reported in journals. It has nothing, they, they have not come at this from any kind of a God-fearing perspective. They're just looking at data. They have several different um, parenting styles. They talk about control, low control and high control. And then they talk about responsiveness. And this is how engaged you are with the child. Now, I don't want you just to equate this with affection because it's much more than that. But it's actually how, I really like, I think engaged is as good a word as we can use. So let's talk about this one down here. So low control and low response. This, 
parent is not really engaged with the child, they're not controlling the child, they're frankly neglecting the child. We're not going to spend any time on here. There's not a single one of you that's here, okay? This one doesn't control much. But they're very engaged with the child. They're enjoying that child. They love that child. They're spending time with that child. They talk to that child. But that child's just so sweet and so dear. And it just breaks their heart to have to punish that child for anything. I know he didn't really mean to do that. And, and, and so we don't have to control that. Okay? And so that's indulgent. <coughs> okay? And if we're honest, we've all been in the, I mean, maybe even neglect. We've all been in these places sometimes. Authoritarian is high control. They have expectations. They are teaching rules and behaviors. But they're not very responsive. They're not very engaged. So this parent does a lot of, you do it because I tell you to do it. Okay? Look, this one has just as high a control. But they're also highly responsive. Okay? This parent's rules may be every bit as high as this one, maybe even tougher. But they do it in a way that they're very engaged with the child. Okay? Now, this is research. But they have followed these kids over time. And the results are stunningly different. And we are going to stop there, and you'll have to come back next week to find out the results.